that I know we share this common salvation and thus I can ask you to do something and I know you will because if Jesus lives in you like he lives in me, I have no doubt that you will do the right thing. Amen? Amen. Simply put, we need Christians to be Christians in 2018. I want you to be Christian more than I do or I want you to be American. You don't have to shout. And I know I just made somebody mad. Hear me out. Hear your pastor out. Let's, let's get to the scripture. Verse 8, please. Just made five people mad. Hadn't even started preaching yet. Amen. Let's go. Therefore, though I might be very bold in Christ to command you what is fitting, yet for love's sake, I rather appeal to you, being such a one as Paul now the age, and now also a prisoner of Jesus Christ. That word prisoner, Tony, is a play on words because of the transformation that took place in a prison cell with Onesimus. I appeal to you for my son, Onesimus, whom I have begotten while in my prison, my chains, verse 11, who once was unprofitable to you, but now is profitable to you and also to me. I am sending him back. You therefore receive him. That is my own heart, my own will, whom I wish to keep with me. I wanted to keep him. That on your behalf he might minister to me in my chains for the gospel. But without your consent, I wanted to do nothing. That your good deed might not be by compulsion as it were, but by voluntary. For perhaps he departed for a while for this providential purpose, that you might receive him now forever. Three times that word forever is mentioned. It speaks of the power of reconciliation. I want to preach just for a few moments for love's sake. For love's sake. The story of your redemption and my redemption. Somebody say amen. 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 Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Would you stretch your hand this way? Tony, would you pray over me and ask God to touch me? You may be seated for love's sake. On Wednesday nights, as I'm teaching from the book of Corinthians, we get to see behind the scenes of a church as a whole. We're seeing the problems of that church, not just the problems. We also get to see the beauty of their, their power. We get to see what they have in resources. We know that they are truly gifted in church, but also we get to see the problems behind that church. And God allows us to see that because in an effort that we might not duplicate those same problems. That, that epistle is written there so that North Wahala would not make the same mistakes. But yet this book is different. It is the same pretense of the thought pattern that we get to see behind the scenes of a situation, but it's not a church. This book is written to a layman, and really it's the conversation between three people. And in that third person is not really having a conversation, he's kind of dictating the situation as it should play out. And what he's doing, he's taking two people that are at odds with each other, 
and through the gospel, he is leading, to, leading them to a certain end that should happen. He's taking two people that are not reconciled and through the gospel, he is navigating through this difficult storm, this storm that is still on trial today even in our country, and he's navigating them to a certain end that is not found in humanity, but is found on the cross of Calvary. He's taking these two people who are at odds and saying, what you cannot do on your own, Christ has already done through his blood, through the power of his redemption. It is the beauty of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's what they just sung about. It's the power in the name of Jesus. That's why Paul could declare in Galatians chapter three, verse 28, there is neither Greek nor Jew, nor free nor slave, nor male nor female, for you are all what? One in Christ Jesus the Lord. It is the power of the gospel. What gets me here in 2018 is that we have exiled the gospel of Jesus Christ from our churches. Not just our churches, but our social issues our economic issues. Everything in your life should be predicated on the gospel of Jesus Christ. You are not saved to be a Christian so you can just go to heaven and not go to hell. You are saved to have an abundant life here on this earth. And through that abundant life, this salvation that you and I share, this common salvation, it should change everything about your life. I don't care how you were raised. I don't care who you know. I don't care what your story is. This gospel is not sidetracked by your circumstance. Your circumstance is changed by this gospel. That's good by itself. Nobody wants to say amen, but it's good by itself. There's a statement that Jesus does not change social issues today. Injustice that's going on. And I say that's a lie. It's just that preachers don't preach truth anymore. And we hide from things because we're afraid that somebody might leave the church. But in the effort to pamper certain people, there is a whole segment of people out there that want to live and live like we live and want to know what we know and experience the freedom that we have. But we made Jesus this small in our lives when he should be this big in our lives. This story is about reconciliation. In this story, I'm gonna show you three things, three people. It speaks of two doctrines that are powerful, that are prevalent in my life. The doctrine of substitution and the doctrine of reconciliation. We get to see two people reconciled through a substitute person that brings them in wholeness with each other and wholeness with God. Now let me set the background for you. The background is this. In this hour, there is a slave by the name Onesimus. Onesimus was one that was owned by Philemon. Onesimus somehow, we don't know the background, but it is assumed that he evidently stole something from his master and he fled to Rome. Jose Rome had about 60 million slaves at that time. Slaves were no, nothing more than tools. They're, they're nothing more than property to be used as the owner saw fit. So this runaway slave, he leaves and he goes in hiding and he wants to hide out in Rome because there will be people there just like him. Already we're getting the backdrop of your life when people who are in bondage to sin want to run from what they know to be true and hide out amongst others like themselves thinking that God cannot find them. 
But I've got news for somebody this morning. You didn't plan to be here. You didn't think two years ago that you would be out this Pentecostal church hearing this great choir and seeing this fat preacher tell you about Jesus Christ. But God and his divine providence, God and his sovereignty of knowing what you don't know and seeing what you cannot see has orchestrated things together to put you in this atmosphere to let you know that you may run like Jonah, but you can't get to the other side and God will not have a fish in the middle of the ocean to stop you along your way. I am thankful when I was bent on going down the wrong road that God put somebody in my life to say, Neil, God's got a plan for you and God's got a purpose for you if you will submit to Almighty God. Come on, give God praise if you believe that. So when they get there, Onesimus somehow runs. He runs right into the presence of a man by the name of Paul in jail. In jail for the wrong, different reasons, but yet somehow, providentially, they're just there. There are people coming to our church now that recently this week I was visiting with somebody and I know that other church people from other churches were there and they were thinking this. I know it, I can see it in their eyes. Preacher, you're judging them. No, their face was telling on them. <laughs> what is he doing, the preacher of North Walhalla, eating or talking to a person just like that? Don't he know that that person's a drug dealer? Doesn't he know that person's a drug addict? Doesn't he know that that person's a backslid church of God preacher? Come on, somebody. Let's don't play games. Let's just be truthful. Let's don't judge. You know how we judge. They're going to hell. They're going to hell. But that's my family. God's grace is sufficient, right? Right? Yeah. We, we, we here. That's how Ashton does now. We, we right here. Yeah. And so what's happening is this. I know what they're saying. But what you don't realize is somebody's praying for them. And what you don't realize, there's a mama somewhere. And what you don't realize, there's a grandma somewhere saying, if there's just one righteous woman in Walla, if there's just one righteous college and career student, if there's just one kid at high school that's filled with the Holy Ghost, if there's just one seventh grader that has a mama, a daddy, a youth pastor, a children's pastor, if there's just somebody in the fifth grade that knows the name of Jesus Christ, God, can you put my boy, yeah, I know he's lost. Yeah, I, I know he's, he's driving now. Yeah, I know, God, he's hooked up with some girl that needs Jesus three times and twice on Sunday. God, I know about all that. But somehow, if you can put them in calculus together. Oh, I know my baby shouldn't be in calculus. He can better do two plus two. But you're still God. So God, somehow, if you can put them together, it might just have a conversation like this. I don't know if you know I'm in prison, but I'm really not in prison. What do you mean you're not in prison, Paul? Oh, I'm in shackles physically, but I'm not in shackles spiritually. Onesimus says to him, tell me why you're not bound because one day, Acts 9, I was on my way to kill some Christians and a light shined out of heaven and knocked me off my beast and said, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? I wasn't going looking for Jesus, but he came looking for me and at the, and at the right time, the 
the old church used to sing that song, He Came Looking For Me, long before Jason Crabb ever heard that song. You'll understand. And at the right time, just how, somehow in God's providence, Onesimus is shackled with Paul, and Paul begins to tell the story. And the next thing you know, the story gets inside of Onesimus, and he's saved, singing about amazing grace, how sweet the sound. Don't tell me God can't save them. But Brother Nolan, he was a murderer, so was Saul. Or Brother Nolan, she had an abortion, so did somebody in your family. But pastor, he lied, he's a gossiper. So is the church down the road, but you understand what I'm saying. So why don't we all plead the blood of Jesus Christ and let God be God and somehow, some way, the narrative has now changed. This man that was running from something ran to something that changed his life forever. I come to preach to some forest gumps here in the church. You started off running a long time ago. You don't know why and you've been running now for three years. Can I tell you, it's time to take those knockies off and come face to face with God and have a conversation with God. You've wasted three years of your life, two years of your life. You've been through four girlfriends and a thing of another and you're still not right with Jesus Christ. How much longer do you want to go down that same road when God has a plan and a purpose for your life? I'm preaching to somebody. I done dropped two bottles of water up here this morning already. I had to fight the devil to get here, but I'm here now. So let's just have church. Listen to me. There are three people. I want to share their story. We're close. First of all, when Paul does this, there's a problem though. Now that Onesimus is saved, there's a problem. Because Onesimus has made a mistake in his life. But it's not a mistake that God cannot cover. <laughs> and this is what I love about this. I love that crowd that screams at me. But the Bible doesn't say anything about slavery. And the Bible doesn't say anything about social issues. And the Bible is absent with modern issues of our day. No, it's not. The Bible spoke to it a long time ago. We just don't want to preach about it. Because we're afraid of making somebody mad instead of preaching the truth. It speaks about it. Let me show you. When he writes to him, there's a problem. The problem is this. Onesimus in that day belonged to somebody else. Now that he is saved, Paul wants him to pay restitution. Could you imagine a conversation like this? Been saved now for six months, everything's good, but something's, something's bothering Joy. Paul looks at Joy and says, Joy, what's going on? Joy says, what you don't know is, I wasn't in jail for the same reason you were in jail. You're in jail for preaching the gospel. I'm a runaway slave and I stole something. Now, what we can do is this. Just forget about it. Now there are some sins that we can't do anything about because there are certain narratives and situations you cannot correct. But when it is possible to make restitution, you should make restitution. If you rob $30 from somebody in this church and you got saved this morning, you need to pay them that $30 back. And then that person needs to give me 10 for telling you to, no, I'm just kidding. You understand what I'm saying? So they have this conversation. Listen, 18 minutes, listen to me. They have this conversation and Paul says, you've got to go back. Could you have been amazing? This what, what I would have thought. Are you kidding me? I just gave my life to Jesus Christ. I feel the Holy Ghost in this house. And you're telling me things that I've got to do that seem more difficult than the situation I am, I'm in right now? There is somebody in this house who just said, I would be saved, but everything that I've got to do to change my life is too difficult. No, it's not. 
God will open the door, close the door, and give you the power to do what you've got to do if you will just be man or woman enough to make up your mind to follow Jesus Christ. Paul writes to this man knowing this. First of all, he writes to Philemon. Paul knows that he is a special man. Philemon was not just an owner of slaves at that time, which was allowed. He was a brother who just got saved as well, a special brother and a special fellow laborer. In fact, he was so good, Paul called him a friend. He was so special, Paul said in verse seven, that he had a reputation that he refreshed the saints almost daily. It means he was not a troublemaker in the church. He was the type of person that you would want around. If you were a teenager, you wanted him around. If you were 80 years old, you wanted that person around because they always knew how to say the right thing. He was not a gossiper or a troublemaker. In fact, the Bible goes a little bit deeper. It lets us know about him that this man was so special, he was a friend of Paul. Philemon knows this, he's been wronged. Somebody has done him wrong. He represents Almighty God. Listen to me, friend. You may say, Pastor, I've never done nothing. Yes, you have. You were born out of a womb of a woman and you are born into iniquity because man had fell into sin and iniquity. You have wronged God. The difference is this. You judge your sin compared to somebody else and you tell me it's either too big or too small and God cannot save you. I'm telling you, he's already paid the price. And that that you're doing and that that you used to do, and that that's kept you away from God, don't worry about it. You think Philemon was a special man? There's nobody like Jehovah God. The second person in this story is Onesimus. Onesimus is a slave that's now saved. Yes, Philemon was a good man who honored God and honored people, but Onesimus is now the one transformed. And Paul says, I've got to send you back. Listen to me. In verse 11, this is where it changes. In verse 11, he says, in times past, I'm going to send you back. But he's going to receive you. If I was Onesimus, I would have told Paul, Paul, you lost your mind. This man's going to kill me. This man's going to put an R for runaway. He's going to take a branding iron and put an F for fugitive on my head. Paul says, no, no. I'm going to send you back. I know him. I know he will receive you. And Paul says, I've got to do something else. And listen to this. Paul says, I'm going to put a letter in your hand. And that letter will suffice. I want you to remember that before I close. If I'd have been Onesimus, I would have said, can you send me about 100 guards? I'd rather take the guards, you understand? Paul says, no, this letter is sufficient. He says, because I'm sending you back now, because in times past, you were unprofitable, but now you are profitable to him and also to me. Listen to me. Your sins have cost you. Your sins have damaged your life, and you may feel like you have nothing to give anybody, and you're unprofitable, but the day that God saves you, God will take your life and begin to make something great out of it. You're praying to get off drugs. God has already called you to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. You just can't see it because you see yourself as nothing. I see you not as you are. I see you in Jesus Christ and what God can do in your life. You are profitable to the kingdom of God. You're not useless. 
Onesimus is hiding out. He's nothing but a slave, a miserable slave. There is a death sentence over his life. It is a picture of what sin can do. The Bible says that he who commits sin is a slave to sin. He is shackled by sin and his habits. I don't know who I come to preach to this morning, but the day I got saved, I got saved for one reason, not to join the church. I really didn't like the church. I didn't like the church because I knew there was a bunch of hypocrites in the church. Not that I'm perfect, but the church I grew up in, I had deacons buy me beer. I didn't want to be like them. I didn't get saved to go to church. I didn't like a lot of the church because some of the women that we were hanging out with on Friday night were singing in the choir. Might as well preach it, it's the truth. Oh, brother, no, you can't say that in Oconee County. They were preaching this long before I got here. What you talking about? It's the truth. I didn't like church. I'm preaching to somebody who you don't even like church this morning. You've had church people do you wrong, but do what I did. I got tired of Neil too. Yeah, I hated me more than I hated them. I knew there were hypocrites there, and I knew there were people that I, I, I didn't want to be around. They sing on Sunday and have affairs on Monday. I didn't want to be around those people. If I was going to do that, I'd just quit. I'd go to the bar. I ain't going to do that. But I hated me more than I hated them. I hated my existence at that time. I hated what I did on Friday night. I hated who I did it with. I hated what I sold and I hated what I bought. I hated everything about my life. But just somehow, some way, God put somebody in my path, a pole that came along and joined me with him. And on that day, I got tired of being miserable. I come to preach to somebody who's tired. You're sick and tired of being tired. You're sick and tired of being sick and tired. And you're tired of living like you were. Can I tell you, I'm not here to judge you. I'm here to tell you, if God can save me, then God can save you and turn your life around. <laughs> 11 minutes. You've got 11 minutes. In fact, I wish you'd give me 15, but I'll take 11. It changes in the next verse. He goes from being a runaway slave. Now the terminology changes. Paul says, he's my son. What just happened? Paul says in verse 10, my son Onesimus, who I have begotten in my own bonds, he was saying to Philemon, I have poured a lot into him. I have poured so much into him, he belongs to me now. He was unprofitable, now he's profitable to you. I'm sending him back to you, but I've got something to tell you. I want you to receive him now, not as a slave. I know he stole, I know he ran away, but I'm gonna put a letter in his hand, and this letter is gonna tell you everything I want you to understand. And then here comes three words. He says, I want you to receive him. I want you to receive him forever. And I want you to receive him just like you would receive me, a brother accepted in the beloved. Brother Nona, you're telling us, you keep preaching about how people can be lost and a year later be a part of the church culture and fabric. Yes. Well, Brother Nona, we don't like that. Then you don't like the gospel. Why do you come? Why are you part of the church of God? Let me pick on my own denomination. The church of God were people who were tired of staying at church and wanted to see people saved. Our DNA is pulling people out of bars and prisons and back alleys. This local church in the hills of Appalachia was about shutting down moonshine steels. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And pulling them in and seeing them saved and sanctified and filled with the Spirit in the same service. 
Oh, I know we don't see that anymore because we might make little Johnny feel uncomfortable. He's not uncomfortable Friday night drinking with his buddies and they got him turned upside down doing a keg stand. That doesn't make him uncomfortable, but we're afraid we might warp his mind because somebody gets saved and we have to pray them through past 12 o'clock. Hello? Y'all quiet now. I don't know what happened, but we're quiet now. <laughs> Lastly, I close. You can be saved today and be accepted as a brother because when you get saved, you're not one of them. You're one of us. You're not on the other side. You're not an outcast. You may still have some problems. You still may have some struggles. I do. I still struggle. I still fight this flesh. Can't believe you said that, preacher. Paul said, the things I want to do, I do not. And the very things I absolutely despise, sometimes I find myself doing. Oh, wretched man that I am. And Paul said, in that spot, he said, if I would just stay there, I would die. And then that few verses later, that's what Paul said. But if I walk in the flesh, I shall feel, fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. But Paul says, I walk in the spirit. He says, this flesh deceives me every day. That's why I have to make my mind up not to walk in it and walk in the spirit. Lastly, Paul says, I appeal to you upon two conditions. First of all, he says, Philemon, I send you back in Nisimus. And I do so on the doctrine of reconciliation. The doctrine of reconciliation is very simple. It's taking two that were once apart and bringing them together. That we may be justified, as Romans 5 says, that we might have peace with God. To do that, though, we need access. Access comes by substitution. So the doctrine of reconciliation is taking two things that were alienated. Come here, both of you. Come here, come here, come here. Y'all two good looking boys, come here. You look like your mama. You look like your dad. Come here, come here, come here. Come here. Turn, turn that way. These two absolutely hate each other. Philemon saved, but Onesimus has wronged him. Y'all don't, you're never gonna sit on the front row again. I know what you just said, amen. <laughs> now he's saved. Rory led him to Jesus. He's gotta send him back there. What God is trying to do now don't get all uncomfortable here, is bring them back together, not so he can belittle him because he's not coming back home as a slave. He is coming back home now as family. I wasn't gonna say this. I, I told it to Jessica and to Mike and th they told me to tell you this. I, I, I love history. South Carolina in 1860, 10% of all slaves were in South Carolina. It would be like Paul going to a field at the Middleton place or a plantation in Charleston, going to a slave out there in the field, to a Christian owner. Now I know somebody's gonna debate me about the hour and the time of slavery there. We can talk at the church and I'm gonna show you what the world could not do. God did it through salvation of Jesus Christ. We can argue later. What he does, it would be like going to the field and witnessing to this slave, then coming back to the main house and telling the slave owner, by the way, guess what? I just spoke to one of your slaves. He accepted Jesus Christ as his savior. Oh, by the way, I need you to clean out a house. I need you to make him a room. He's not gonna live in the outside in a cabin anymore. He's gonna live next door to your room. I lost some of you, didn't I? You were riding with me about the blood. But when God made him the same as him, I lost you. Don't blame it on me. Blame it on Mike and my wife. Are you listening? 
That's exactly what happened. He says, I send him not back to you as a slave, but I send you back now reconciled. See, what you don't understand, some of you started thinking about, you started thinking about diplomacy. You started thinking about Fox News and CNN. If I could get five people to read their Bible more, they watch daily news, we might have a revival here at the North Walhalla Church of God. I said both sides. I said both sides, and don't get mad with me now, don't get mad. Look to your neighbor and say, I love my preacher. Go ahead and tell him, yeah. That's about 60% of you. Praise God. Amen. <laughs> it is the doctrine of reconciliation. It speaks to social justice. Here's the problem in 2018. We are trying to change it from the outside in. We are trying to say we're Christians. You should be like this. God never changes it from the outside in. He changes it from the inside out. <laughs> That's why they don't understand us. That's why they don't understand why we stand against abortion. That's why they don't understand why we stand for human life. They have not been transformed as we have been transformed. But if you let God get on the inside of them, they will change sides in the middle of the gate. Why? Because God reconciles those who are away from him today. Last and I close. It is the doctrine of substitution. It is Paul saying to him, listen to me, and I've shared this part with you before, my first month I was here. As I close, I want you to hear me. It is the gospel of substitution. Steve, you cannot pay your debt. Somebody had to pay your debt. By law, Bradley, this slave's wrong. He's wrong. By law. And he, can, he is supposed to receive the punishment of all punishments. But what does Paul say? I sit him not back as a slave, but as a brother. And not as a brother, watch this. He says, I recognize he's wronged you. How many of you feel like somebody's wronged you in your life? Anybody? Anybody? I have. I'll wave both hands. He says, and I understand that he owes you something. I might be willing to forgive Aiden for owing me $100 than I would Russell. Aiden lives in my house. Russell has more money than Fort Knox. You understand what I'm saying? <laughs> Paul says to him, I don't want you to receive him as Onesimus. I want you to receive him as you would me. And the reason I used that story about the field to the house a while ago was this. Because we know the slave would not come to the house but we know that Paul would have the best room in the house. There are people throughout all Alcona County that are living as slaves right now. We're not gonna exile them across the road because they might hurt our reputation. We're gonna set them in the house because if God saved you, God can save them. Paul says, whatever he owes you, put that on my account. I did some bad things, folks. I did such bad things that when I was telling my pastor what I did, he told me to stop. Now, you know you got a lot of sin, Brother Williams, in your life when your pastor tells you to stop. And then he reminded me that the blood of Christ, that word there is an accountant term. It means that Paul was lining up everything Onesimus did wrong. 
But then as a good accountant, accountant it would be like, Steve, in your business, you gotta pay out $10,000 this week. And we look at that, that's, that's a big number. That's a big number for me, that's a big number. But on the other side of the ledger, more than 10,000 came in. And it can wipe out that 10,000. Paul says, I don't care what he owes you. I'll settle it when I come. Those before the cross had a huge debt. And now those after the cross, we have a huge debt. Some look toward the cross, some look back to the cross. But the same blood that saved them is the same blood that saves us. When Aiden was a little boy at Hills Grocery, right there in the fork of the road is the side of Hill, my granddaddy since 1948 has an account there. On Friday he would walk in and pay the account. We go up there, we buy cheese. Anybody know what hoop cheese is? Yes. Crackers, beanie weenies, get gas, go around the counter, get some crickets to go fishing. Anybody? No, y'all don't know what I'm talking about. My son used to love to go there. Aiden would go in that store when he was three, grab a Yoo-Hoo, juice, donuts, come back 10 minutes later, get some more donuts or whatever, <laughs> recent cups, and he would lay it up on the counter and pay nothing. We'd go to revivals, in fact, with your uncles, and he would say, Mr. Ronnie, you need to go with me to Miss Nancy's. You can buy whatever you want, and it's free. Just throw it on the counter. <laughs> Put it up there. Mr. Ronnie said, really? See, yeah, you get Reese's Cups, Kit Kats, lunch meat sandwiches, which is really good, by the way, tomato sandwiches. Lay it up there. It's all free. But what Aiden didn't recognize was this. There was a ledger to be paid. And there was a debt owed. But at the end of the week, my granddaddy, then my daddy would come, and they would say, Miss Nancy, how much do we owe you? And she would say, $36.60. And he'd pay that debt. Aiden did not realize it wasn't free. There was a debt on his head, but somebody else could stand good for it. Paul says, Philemon, I want you to know I know he's wronged you like nobody has. But when I get there, I'm going to pay it. On a hill far away stood an old rugged cross. It's an emblem of suffering and shame. Would you stand with me all over the house, please? So despised by the world, thank God that the debt that I owed was able to be paid. What do you owe today? What has God done for you? That's my favorite New Testament story. It's my story. It's my story. I owed a lot. Somebody came as my substitute and paid the price. Would you bow your heads with me? Father, there is a sweetness now in this house. As saints are beginning to pray, there's a sweetness. There are no stones in our hands, nothing but the blood of Jesus ready to cleanse a multitude of sin. So when I give this altar call, God, I pray 
as I have prayed for souls to be saved and reconciled back to you, we throw not a line out. We throw the gospel net out. I'm not here to catch just one. I want to hear to catch fish. One, would you step out today? You're here because somebody invited you. You're here because you promised somebody and to get them off your back. No, you're here by the leading of the Holy Ghost. You're here by the providence of God. Two, would you step out by faith? Would you let God change your life? Three, step out right now, all over the house. If you don't know him, would you step out? Would you help me pray, saints? Would you help me pray? Would you help me pray? Would you help me pray? Would you step out right now? Step out right now. Step out right now. Step out right now. Don't wait. I throw the net out wide. Do what I did. God saved me. If God can save me, he can save you. Would you come? Onesimus was running away from God. Ran to God. You're riding a smack in the face of God. Would you come right now? One more minute. Saints, would you pray? Would you pray? Would you help me pray? There should be a roar of prayer in this house. Hallelujah. Come on, lift your hands. Let's pray. Let's pray. Prayers are going up. People are praying in the spirit. Would you pray? 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 It's all right. Come on, pray. If you're saved, you should be praying. There are people lost in this house. Come, come, sir. You're not here by mistake. You're not here by accident. You've been led by God to be here. Now let God change you. Let God change you. Let God change you. Let God change you. 30 seconds to our close. 30 seconds to our close. Would you step out by faith? You're going to run away from here. You're going to be a runaway in your own flesh. You're going to be a runaway in your own life. On your own power, to your own dictates. Don't do that today. God's here. God's here. All right. Would you grab the person's hand beside of you, please, if you feel comfortable? We just want to pray for each other. If you're saved, why don't we give praise for God saving them and saving us? Would you pray? Let's pray right now. Pray, pray, pray. Pray, Father, we thank you today. The beauty of God, 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 the gospel of Jesus Christ. Come on, it feels good to be saved. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Get out of here.